Hi, I'm Susan Moore, Community Engagement Manager with IIBA. And I'm Scott Bennett, Manager of Business Analysis with the International Institute of Business Analysis. And this is Business Analysis Live. And we've got Isabel with us today. Uh, she's on the certifications team and she's gonna help us work through this topic today we've got, and that's the do's and don'ts of online proctoring. And um, right now, IIBA is running a promotion where we're doing 20% off all of our certifications. So that started on Monday. It's going through the end of December. Um, and, you know, one of the topics around that, so a lot of the questions that we get sometime are, are about online proctoring. So, um, so first of all, Isabel, I want to ask you a question. Um, what, which of our exams are proctored online? Great question. Great way to start. Um, all of our exams are actually proctored online. We do have seven certification exams and they're all online. We do have two of them at test centers, but uh, the others are online. Um, I just wanted to take a, a second here as well to Susan uh, to talk about online proctoring and to say what is it. Uh, we might have different ideas of it, so let's take a look at what it is. And I think simply put, online proctoring is where a candidate is taking an exam and instead of being proctored or supervised by somebody in the room, they're actually observed by somebody who's online. So that is the individual who, who's watching them, who can hear them, uh, who gets them started in the exam, who helps them with the identification, sees them all the way through, and then helps close off the exam. That's, that's a great explanation because I, I don't know that everybody knows uh, exactly what, uh, what that is. And, you know, I know that as we've been talking with members, it, you know, just even Scott and I, we've got our own online proctoring experience. So, um, so we want to make sure that we answer those questions so that when people take advantage of this great benefit, being able to, to take the exam from your home, they know exactly what to expect. Um, the first question I've got is just maybe around technology. Are there any minimum technology requirements that people might want to consider when they're, they're starting to schedule that exam? Absolutely. Uh, so for, for an online exam, you need to have a laptop or a desktop. Uh, you know, some people have asked in the past, can I use my phone? Can I use my iPad? No, you need to have a, a you know, laptop or a desktop. You need to have it on a desk, keyboard, mouse if you use one. Um, you need to make sure that you've got a secure internet uh, connection. It's robust, it's strong, uh, because you don't want anything failing in the middle or else you will lose, your, you will lose the exam. You also want to make sure that with your setup, you've got a webcam, you've got a microphone, because again, the proctor will be watching you, so you need to have everything there in your system. Um, as well, we always suggest that if possible, to use your uh, personal laptop or computer rather than your work one. Uh, the reason being is that sometimes in our work environments, we've got firewalls set up and that may stop or act as a barrier. You can always check with your IT folks if, that, if you do want to use your work one, but, but be sure to check that. Uh, the other thing in terms of uh, the system or the computer requirements is to um, 
make sure you don't have anything else connected to your laptop. You know, I've got a, I've got a, a monitor here right now. So if I was to write an exam, I'd have to unhook the monitor. And actually, I wrote an exam a few weeks ago. I unhooked the monitor. I put it down on the ground and I turned it away from me. So, you know, make sure that you're thinking about those kinds of things so that they, they don't act as barriers for you. Um, the other thing is a systems compatibility check. We have links in our, we have a guide, we have links in that, we have the link on our website. Uh, go to that link and check the compatibility of your system. Check it a couple of days or a week before you write the exam, but also check it the day of the exam. Will that guarantee 100%? No. Uh, you know, we're talking about technology and it's not 100% accurate, but it will give you a really good uh, uh, chance at having, you know, uh, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's so that you can have a smooth um, experience with the technology. That's great. Thanks for sharing that, Isabel. I think it's really important for people that are interested in certification to start understanding what it's about. Um, I went through and wrote my CBDA about three and a half weeks ago. So this was my first time experiencing a proctored exam. Um, I have two children in university and they've been telling me about proctored exams. It's quite a common um, uh, thing you know, that we've gotten into COVID. Um, you know, one thing that uh, I guess surprised me, um, not in a bad way, but was just how much I had to be concerned about my environment when going through a proctor exam. So there can't be people interrupting me. I had to make sure that my there wasn't stuff on my desk. Can you talk a little bit about what people should be aware of um, in terms of what their environment is to write a proctor oh. exam? Oh, absolutely, for sure. So think about your environment as being in a test center. So when you go into a test center, there should be nothing around. So sit and look at the environment that you want to pick. Make sure that it's quiet, it's secure, um, you know, that you should be able to, to shut a door. If you've got your family or pets around, uh, you know, see if they can, uh, you know, go into another part of the house or maybe they can, you know, somebody can take the dog out for a walk. I actually, when I did my exam, I, I ship my dog out to my daughters because it was a long exam and my dog will sometimes charge into my room. So I didn't want anything to jeopardize my exam. Um, so make, and also make sure that it's as clutter-free as possible. Look at the walls. You know, do you have, some of us have whiteboards, you know, make sure that's wiped off. Uh, you know, sometimes pictures uh, will be you know, sort of suspect if they've got writing on them. Because remember, what, what the proctor is doing is they're looking for a very clear room. Um, if you have a TV in the room, for example, you might be asked to cover it. If you have a bookshelf, you might be able to ask to cover it. And again, th this is part of the, the protocol, and uh, it's for both the, the confidentiality and integrity of the exam itself. And also, you know, all of these things are put into place also for the security of the candidate as well. So a clear room, quiet, uh, clutter-free, a desk with nothing on it except what you need, you know, no plants and, you know, good luck charms, none of that, um, you know, keep it clutter-free, um, and just make sure that, it, it, because what's going to happen is when the day of your exam, you're going to have to scan the room. So you're going to have to go, uh, you know, take your laptop um, and, you know, sort of circle the whole room so they can see all the walls, the ceiling, the floor, your desktop. Um, sometimes they'll want to see under your desk, under your chair, 
top of your chair as much as you can so that when the proctor views that video, uh, they will see that, you know, everything is neat and concise and there's nothing in the way that shouldn't be there. Uh, the other piece I wanted to add also is be mindful of what kind of jewelry uh, you're wearing. Uh, so, you know, some of us have watches, smartwatches, Fitbits, remove those, don't have those in the room, just remove them and take them off to another part of the room. Sometimes uh, you might be asked, uh, even in terms of um, uh, some of the, you know, either, um, what am I, you know, you might be asked to, you know, look at your ears or your hair that there's nothing in there. Um, so just, just be mindful of, of, you know, sometimes you might be asked to roll up your sleeve, just be mindful of that. And, and also just to be aware that that's okay. That's okay. It's not a judgment against you. It's part of the safety. It's part of the safety and security protocol that we set up with our testing partner, PSI. Yeah, and I think that's really important for people to understand, and, and something that changed my perspective on all the prep work. Um, so I've heard of people getting offended that, hey, I'm a professional. Why don't you trust me? You know, this doesn't seem right. Um, the opposite side of that is looking at it from this is protecting the integrity of the certification you're aiming for. Yes. So if it is an environment, if it is an environment where people are allowed to cheat, then it devalues the certification. So it's really making sure it's preserving the integrity of the certification. So two different views on that. But um, if you understand why it's being done, yeah. I think it, it, it allows you to understand more what you prepare for and, and how to act. Absolutely. That's a great point. And, and so, you know, the more prepared you are and the better you know what to expect on that day, the better it's going to be for you because everybody's, you know, has some level of anxiety going into tests anyway. So the online proctoring experience, we don't want it to be an extra stress or burden for, for our candidates. So the more prepared an individual is, uh, the better it is for them. Uh, and, and yeah, not to take it personally, it's not about you. It's about the, the testing environment and the test itself. I, uh, I sat for the Agile Analysis Certification a number of years ago. It might have been when we first started the online proctoring um, process. And I, I think at that time we had maybe about 15 minutes or so. So you logged on a little bit early and then your proctor did all of the room checks and everything like that. And I remember that I was not as prepared as I should have been. And it actually took us about 30 minutes. And my concern was, oh my gosh, I, I think I only have maybe mm -hmm. 60 minutes or 90 minutes. So if those tech check, if that goes longer, do you lose any of the time from the exam? No, no, you never lose any time on the exam. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the work with the proctor, the work with the tech, tech checks, uh, that does not take away from the exam. If your exam is an hour, you still have an hour. Uh, if it's 90 minutes, you still have 90 minutes. Well, that's good to know. And that, that was my experience as well. I mean, other than just being kind of a, a little, a little flustered, uh, at the yeah. end, um, I was able to get it started. You know, the other thing that was a little bit of an unusual experience was that, that ID check. Um, and I know some. I, I know we've gotten some questions about that. Do you have any tips for that that piece of the tech check? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, read the requirements beforehand. Check in our guide. Check on our on our website, and then make sure that the identification you have is a government issued. It's the original, not a photocopy. Uh, make sure that it's it's uh, it has your photo on it. It's photo ID and that it's in Western characters, and that it's legible. 
Um, so if you if you take a look at it, make sure that everything is there, then that will be one less thing that will create any kind of a barrier or stress. Um, the other thing to, to check on your identification is make sure that your name on your identification is the same name, first, same first and last name that you use while registering into the system. Because if the names don't match, like for example, if you go by, you know, a nickname or a shorter name, um, uh, then it's not going, you, you will not be, uh, it, that is one of the, um, uh, one of the things that will uh, terminate the exam. So you will not be able to move further. You will not be able to take your exam if your identification cannot be verified. All right, that's good. One thing I wanted to uh, just comment on was when I went through my exam, I had a technical problem getting set up. Um, so I ended up calling the 1-800 number um, to get support. And they got me in contact with technical support. We're able to work through I thought my computer was working fine, but there was an admin access that I needed on the secure browser I had to download. Okay. So it was just a minor technical thing. Um, but uh, if if you do end up with a, an issue, just call the 1-800 number. Um, they'll get you uh, working on your computer. You're mirroring your computer. They get you set up. My experience with that was great. It was five minute delay, um, which was before my exam, and it was up and running. So uh, it can be a little bit flustering, but people are there to help you out to, to get you through it. Yeah, good point for sure. Looks like we've already gotten our first question from the audience. Okay. Um, so this is from Stephen Jones. He's already got his CBAP. Congratulations. His question is, is there anything a proctor might ask that we as users should consider off limits? That a proctor might ask? Yeah. I would say, I would say no. Um, so um, when the proctor is communicating with you, uh, the proctor will uh, communicate through chat. Uh, you will not hear or see the proctor. They will hear and see you uh, and they will be communicating through chat. Um, no, I would say there's nothing there. You know, the proctors are, are um, they're managed and trained by PSI. Um, they monitor them very closely. Uh, they have, you know, instructions in terms of how to open up the exam, how to introduce themselves, and how to move throughout the process. So I would say that you're in very good hands with, with the proctors that we use. Uh, they're, you know, they're professionals. This is the work that they do, and they're well-trained as well. All right. That was, an, that was an excellent answer, and I think that helps I think that, well, at least that helps me to frame that, you know, these aren't, these aren't folks that are just randomly asking me to, you know, look up my sleeve or things like that, but this is part of an overall process that, that they're following and that we've given them requirements for. So, so we work with them in order to tailor the, the, the checks that they do and to understand that process. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I think that's, you know, sometimes people don't recognize that, but even though a PSI is our testing partner, we work together to put the protocol and the rules together. And so, you know, um, we will, uh, they will recommend uh, general rules and policies that all online testing should have. So they'll, they'll let us know, uh, but you know, we decide, yes, you know, we agree with this, we agree with that, um, or yeah, we will allow for this exam to have a break, but not for that exam. So we do work very closely with our exam partner. All right. 
let's see, just checking to see if we've got some more questions here. Well, Susan's looking at the questions. I just have to ask Isabel, what's the funniest story you've heard about exams in, in terms of questions or experiences? Do you have any funny anecdotes? Um, uh, let's see. Well, I, yeah, you know, one thing that comes to mind for me is that um, uh, there was an exam that was uh, starting um, and the individual had, uh, it, the room was very dark. And so that's the other piece of it. When you have a room, you need to have your room well lit because the proctor needs to see what's going on around you, right? Okay. And so the room was very dark. So the person was asked to, you know, lighten up, put the lights on. And the person said, I'm very sorry, I can't turn the lights on because I've got my, my friend who's sleeping on the couch here behind me and I don't want to wake that person up. So what do you think happened? Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's reasonable. I mean, yeah. So that gave us a little bit of a chuckle because honestly, I'd never heard of that before. Never, never, never. I guess you, you got to take the exam wherever you can find space, right? <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I mean, we do talk about online proctoring. You know, one of the advantages or benefits is that it's flexible. Anytime, any place you want to take the exam, you know, you're free to do that. If you're, if you're you know, really bright at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, take the exam then. But you have to be reasonable. You can't be in a room full of people. You can't, you know, have other people around you. It just can't happen. You know, that, that's actually one of the questions I got from a member um, just last week. Um, she was getting ready to schedule her exam, and she said, okay, so I can just do that Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. And I said, no, 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 you just, there, there's lots of times available. Can you talk a little bit about um, the flexibility of scheduling and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. It's very flexible. Very easy to schedule as well. Uh, an individual, you know, once you've paid your exam fee, you go into our system, there's a single sign-on, uh, you, you, you press that button, it takes you directly to the PSI scheduling page, and there it prompts you step-by-step. Step. Uh, you know, when do you want the exam? What time do you want the exam? And you can pick and choose. In most cases, I'm not going to say every case, but in most cases, you will get the date and time that you want. Once in a while, uh, there might there might be a snag, like it might be, you know, you want it December 15th at nine o'clock in the morning, and for some obscure reason that isn't available, then you would just pick a next uh, appropriate time and date. I think her concern was things like holidays and weekends, but I think I think I've done a couple of proctored exams, and I think I did both of them on the weekends. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's no problem there at all. I do see there's a question here uh, from Mohammed um, saying, can you please speak to share your views on which certification to take for business analysis, IIBA or BCS? Well, the, the biased answer here <laughs> is IIBA, but um, Susan and I have been doing some member interviews to get feedback and getting ready for 2022. Um, I did talk to someone in the UK last week um, who has BCS certification mm -hmm. and IIBA. Um, and the feedback I heard from the UK was some employers uh, look at that more favorably in that market. Um, so uh, we're obviously going to give you the biased answer, IIBA, um, but the, the realistic answer as a professional is look at what's required in your environment. Um, it's uh, really the employers that you're appealing to 
uh, are really what I would say dictates this. Um, I think IIBA is more global. Um, BCS might be more local, but um, again, that's a biased opinion. That was a good answer. <laughs> yeah. um, I see that we've we've got another another question um, about certifications. This is from Delano McVeigh. Um, I just scheduled my exam. I'm not sure which exam for January 10th. Any advice to um, for studying um, to get ready for the certifications? Well, we're not sure which certification it is, right? But the advice I would give is, depending on what certification it is, if it's one of the core certifications, uh, take a look at, uh, you know, do your studying of, of BABOC, of the BABOC guide. Uh, if you are part of a chapter or study group, uh, or, you know, you may take a, a course or something as well that would support that. I would also say make sure that you check on our website uh, the knowledge areas and the competencies and the waiting on the exam. You'll, so you'll see that as, the, as part of the exam blueprint. And it will tell you the different knowledge areas and it will tell you whether a knowledge area is 5% of the exam or 30% of the exam, because that will help you as you review and study your material to where to really focus and to in an area to know better than another area. And Delano just uh, put an update. It's CBAP they asked about. Okay. So did you, did you want to add to that, Scott, for CBAP? Sure, I'm CBAP certified uh, back in 2010, so it was a while ago. Um, I just went through my uh, CBDA exam. One thing that I found useful is not just reading the material, but talking to other people about mm -hmm. it. So I'm echoing what Isabel's saying. A study group is a good idea because you can read a section and interpret it based on what your experience is. But when you talk to others, it can help enrich the material and also help you retain the meaning behind that stuff. Um, so study groups are a great way to do that. A lot of our chapters offer study groups. Um, they may call them CBAP. They may call them BABOC. Uh, there's a couple of keywords that they might use. You can find study groups through our event search page. Um, or if you're involved with your chapter, you know, take a look at their chapter website. But to Scott's point, I, I do think that... Um, community element is a great way to study this because that material is pretty dense and um, you know sometimes you need to talk through it just to understand um, you know just to understand it so um, study groups are a great a great way and it, you can meet people mm -hmm. <laughs> always helpful yeah. let's see so we've got another question um, so this question is, I have a QA background. I want to switch my profile to business analysis in the same organization. How can I approach higher management? What skills are they looking for? Yeah, so why don't I take a stab at that one? Um, I'm now managing my third business analysis team. Um, so as a BA manager, if there was someone in my organization that had a potential skill set or an interest, um, what I would suggest in your organization is find out who those BA managers are and approach them. Um, always looking for more talent, more help. Um, in terms of what you would need as a background or, or what to um, get ready for, um, again, talk to the manager, but it's always easier to make this transition within an organization where you have an established reputation than to try to go out to the market and uh, make a job switch. That's much more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, one opportunity that you might have is if there's a project coming up, 
there might be an opportunity for you to help out the business analysis team and sort of dip your toe in the pool. Um, so an opportunity to work with some people, you'd be doing the simpler activities, um, but it will give you an opportunity to um, get a feel for the role, as well as someone to be able to see your potential in the role. And if you're an IIBA member, I'll point you to a couple of resources that, that you have access to that might also be helpful here. Um, the business analysis competency model can be a really great way to understand what are the knowledge areas and underlying competencies that you would need. Um, there is built in, built around that, something that we called a career action guide. And it includes a link out to that business analysis competency model, but it also includes a self-assessment. You know, if you're doing QA today, it is very likely you've got a number of transferable skills that you can take with you into the business analysis realm. This self-assessment that you take can can show you where you've already got some skills and maybe where you can you can do some development. Um, additionally, you know, if you're you, you know, studying that BABOC, opening that up and taking a look at it, there's actually a core standard that's kind of the summary of that, which is a really good place to start if you're just getting uh, your feet wet in business analysis. Um, but, you know, we've also got a certificate now. There, There is the ECBA, which can then test your knowledge of, um, of what you learned about the BABOC and about business analysis. So that, that might also be another way that you can um, test your knowledge in, in you know, show that you're really taking a step in that direction. I also want to know, let our viewers know that they're watching this. If this is the first time you've caught us on LinkedIn Live, um, we've done a couple of previous sessions. We're working our way through the technology to understand it. Um, but you can find us by going to IIBA on LinkedIn. And if you look at the video section, you'll see some previous uh, sessions that we've done here. So if you've missed the past few, you can check those out. But uh, we plan on doing more of these. You'll also appreciate that today's uh, production values are a little bit better. <laughs> we're getting we're getting really good at this. So uh, so just to kind of refresh, reset where we are today. So it's uh, Susan and Scott, and today we've got Isabel, who's a program manager with our certifications team. So if you have certification questions. We can't give you the questions, like the exam questions, but you can ask. Is there something you want to know about certifications? Isabel can answer that. Um, you know, just to talk about the promotion that we've got running this month um, from November 15th till the end of the month, we're running 20% off on the exam fees. So um, if, you're, if you've uh, applied for the core certifications and, uh, and you've been approved and you're going to pay your exam fee, you get 20% off. If it's one of the specialized ones, you know, you can, um, you can apply and I think get the certification pay for that at the same time, I think. Yeah, just one extra detail there. You need to make sure you take the exam by December 31st. And take the exam by December 31st. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Let's go back to the questions here. Um, any, any other questions? You know, uh, Scott, it, it wouldn't be one of our LinkedIn Lives if, if uh, we didn't have some questions about how do I get started? That is, um, I've been, I did a clubhouse chat with Enoeka a couple of weeks ago, and that was the whole focus of our talk. Um, it, is a, it is a highly valued uh, capability in organizations, and people want to know, how can I get started? Yeah, so starting out in the career, um, 
it, it can be a number of different areas. Um, you could be mid-career and you want to switch over, or you could be newly out of school and want to get into it. Um, either way, um, if you're working with an organization that is doing business analysis, talk to those people that are doing that, see where you can get involved. If that isn't an opportunity, another thing you can do is seek nonprofit organizations that need some help. Um, business analysis is a really important skill set for um, organizations like that, and they don't often have that. So if you've got an organization that you're passionate about, um, ask them where you can help out. Maybe it's on data analytics. Maybe it's about understanding needs because they need to transition to a new piece of software. Um, so that's a, a great place to start on that. But it does rely a lot on networking. So get to know people, get out there. Um, some people are introverts. Um, it might not seem like it, but I'm a natural introvert. Um, and for introverts, same. it's a little more difficult. So <laughs> Susan's the same. Um, so it, it's something you need to work on in terms of um, getting out there. And it's also a skill that you need in business analysis because we talk to people a lot. So get out there, get comfortable with talking with people. Um, but I hope that helps uh, how to get started. That was a that was a great answer. Yeah, I think I think we're finding that it's not just folks just out of college. It's folks at each every stage of their professional life wanting to do something different. I think the pandemic has potentially sped that up for some folks. Um, I've got one clarification to the promotion, and then I've got a, a, a question from the audience. So the, you have to purchase the exam by 31st, but you don't have to take the exam by oh. the December 31st. That's an excellent clarification. So, um, so thank you, uh, Magic. Question answer. Um, okay. So next question: What is the pass rate for the um, Agile analysis and the product ownership analysis certifications? I don't know if you can tell us that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's just our little secret here, LinkedIn Live audience. It is. It is. So, so no, we don't. Uh, we don't provide pass rates, um, and I and I know that people are often, you know, very interested in that because they want to know: is it, you know, fifty percent, a hundred percent? How many? What percentage of people pass? Uh, we don't provide that, and and I have to say that there's lots of organizations uh, with certification exams who don't either. So it's not like we're the only ones. Um, I would just, you know, focus in on if, 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 it's, if, it's, if it is agile that you're doing, focus in on that. Look at all of those key areas, you know, the, the competencies and the knowledge areas and, and the study guides and such. And, and uh, you know, uh, focus in on that to, to help you with, uh, how, you know, thinking about your exam and how you might do, do with the exam. So are the Agile Analysis Certification and the, um, the CPOA, the Product Ownership Analysis, are those, are those two certifications related in any way? Do you have to have one before the other? Yeah, no, they're not related. So when we look at our whole family of certifications, we've got our core, uh, which is, are the three, um, the ECBA, CCBA, and CBAP. And then we also have specialized ones. And the specialized ones are independent of one another. And as a matter of fact, each and every one of our certifications are independent of one another. So you don't have to have one to have the other. Uh, so for Agile, it, it um, you know, it, it would be somebody working in business analysis in some, in some way, and they're working in Agile or they're interested in Agile. And so that's the certification that they would want to get and be recognized for. And of course, we have our, our um, CBDA, we have our um, 
product owner, certified product ownership analysis, and we also have cybersecurity, but they're all independent of one another. Uh, okay. Um, see. I see a comment from Stephen. He was just uh, tagging on to the conversation about where to start as a BA. Um, and his suggestion is an IIBA chapter meeting is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. That's uh, great advice. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. And, you know, part of the change that we made with the membership this year is that when you become an IIBA member, you become affiliated with a chapter. So if you're a member, take a look at your profile or, or the dashboard because the chapter that we've associated you with is there. Chapters have a lot of resources. I mean, we've just we've talked about the study groups and the events that they do, but they also have their own volunteer events. They've got sometimes they have job boards. They have different ways that you can get involved in. Some of them have mentorship um, and networking opportunities as well. So it really is a great way. Uh, you know, for those of you that are starting your journey, um, being part of a chapter is a great way that you can just network and, and get to know people. Uh, yeah, I'm. Community. I would also add to that because, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking in the other piece of that with being and, get, and getting to know people within your chapter is that people are all at different stages within their career as well. So you're going to have those that are new to it as well. And they're not sure, you know, what questions to ask, what to look out for. And then you're going to have others who are more experienced and others who are very experienced. So you've got a nice mixture of people that you can, you can network with and, you know, find out exactly sort of the lay of the land and how things look in, in the whole business analysis world. Yeah, I, I, that's a great point. And, you know, I think the other part of being part of a chapter, I had a member tell me she studied and she took her CBAP and she did not pass it. And she said, I, I went back and talked with some folks from my chapter and they really encouraged me. They said, no, no, you can't, you got to take it again. We're going to help you. Her chapter was very supportive in helping her to find resources and other ways to study. And when she took it the second time, she passed. And so there's also that support piece of that as well. So that when you're getting ready for a certification, because there are days, you know, when, when it can get hard getting ready and having the support of, uh, of your BA community can be helpful. Okay, so it's okay. So it looks like there is another question um, from Rafif. Can anyone take the exam or are there any experience conditions? And so, Isabel, maybe we can just talk about, you know, are there any experience requirements for the, our certifications? Sure. It depends on the certification uh, for the experience requirements. So we have our entry certificate in business analysis. Uh, there is no requirement. There is no work history or uh, experience required there. However, for each of the core, uh, we do uh, a requirement is professional development. So some kind of education or training. Each one of the exams has a different number of hours uh, that, that, that is required. Um, each of the exams or each of the certifications also requires uh, that um, uh, you agree to uh, the terms and references or the terms and conditions, but also uh, the professional code of standards. So that's important for any profession. So we, and uh, you know, we've put that into our certification process is that that is a requirement that you agree to that. But other than that, it does depend on the certification, uh, whether or not you need experience, uh, but professional development uh, is needed for our core. Our specialized, you don't need that in order to uh, apply for the certification and to take the exam. All right, and we have another question. Uh, Paramjeet, is there any fee 
to be a member of a chapter or IIBA. So there is a, there is a fee to be part of IIBA, um, the, the, big, the big IIBA, and with that, you get to be part of a chapter as well. So there's not an additional fee that you have to pay, to pay in order to be part of the chapter. Um, you know, the value that you get from that membership um, is, you know, not just discounts um, and access to the BABOC and our other standards and guides, but, you know, you get to be part of that chapter. You get to, um, we've got lots of different kinds of tools and other resources that are out there that can help you to grow your career. Um, so think of it as an investment um, um, to help you, you know, achieve your career goals. And let's see, looking to see, do we have any other questions? Do we have any, Scott, do we have any other questions for, for Isabel? <laughs> I've got a question for you, Susan. Yeah. Any certifications you're looking to write? CBAP. That yeah. will be the next one. Yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I talked with a member the other day and she said, I went to take my exam and there was math on it. And I thought, what is there? Isabel, is there math on the CBAP? Yes, but there's also an online calculator. Okay, good. Does that, <laughs> that does help. Don't 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 bring your own calculator, but there is okay. an online calculator. <laughs> okay. Um, and you know what I'm thinking of? I, I know recently I also heard a story about someone that was doing an online proctored exam and she brought her piece of paper so she could do calculations or take notes or whatever. And she said, I never use that piece of paper. And at the end, they asked me to rip up my paper. And I, she said, I, I'm, you know, it's, I know that sounds like a strange thing to say, but I didn't write on my paper. I could use that paper later. What's that all about? Well, it's, 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 you know, the rules and protocol that have been set up. So you are allowed a piece of paper. Um, and uh, yes, you can make notes on it. And yes, you have to, you have to tear it up. So even though it sounds like, yeah, but there's nothing on the paper, uh, the, the, the steps of tearing it up are really important because you're taking that full piece of paper that may or may not have anything written on it um, and you're destroying it. So yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's just like, it, it reminded me of there's, there's a few other things like, for example, we do allow uh, our candidates to bring in a glass of water or a bottle of water, as long as there's no labels or anything like that. But for example, you could not bring your water in a, oh, you can't see my cup. Oh, you could not bring your water in a cup like I have. It would have to be in a clear container. And, and you know, so we've got rules and, and protocols in place uh, to make sure that, it, it, and it's also for the um, consistency of, of the way that every single candidate is treated. It's the, you know, it, it, when you were saying that, it also reminded me of, I was talking to someone who said, you know, but you know, when I think I go like this and I'm not supposed to be covering my mouth. And sometimes not only do, do I do that, but when I'm reading, I may go or, you know, sound out the question. So just to let you know, if, if that's the kind of, uh, you know, behavior that you might have, uh, try to try to try to avoid to try to eliminate it, because what will happen is the minute you are looking at the exam question and you cover your mouth, uh, the proctor will chat and say, uh, please take your hands away from your mouth. Or sometimes what happens is, uh, you know, after a while, you might get really tired and perhaps you'll move around. And for some reason, you'll move out of the view of the camera 
once again, the proctor will chat. Please, you know, get back in front of the camera. I cannot see you. Now, some of those are, those are minor warnings. But for example, if you were to uh, cover, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to cover the camera. But if you were to cover the camera and leave your thumb on it, uh, your, your exam would be terminated. So, you know, that makes sense. There, there's certain rules and protocol in place. And we have recently, you know, we've had a lot of this information on our website and, and also, um, yeah, on our website, on our exam page. But one of the things that we've done recently is we have put together uh, a guide and it's called the, um, um, the I, I can never remember the exact name, the IIBA Guide to Online Proctored Exams, uh, even though I put it together. That's the name I gave it. So we, we launched this a couple of months ago because we were getting a lot of questions and people were saying, but I didn't see that on your website. I didn't see it here. I didn't see it there. We took all of that information. We put it into a couple of pages. I encourage you as one of the things to do when you're preparing for your exam and all that wonderful studying you're doing, also prepare for your online experience. Take that proctor guide, go through it, look at what those violations are, the major ones, the minor ones. Remind yourself that you can't be covering your mouth. Uh, you can't be talking to somebody in the other room. Uh, and, and that will help you be prepared and it will really help you uh, know what to expect. And the more prepared you are and the more you know what to expect, the less anxiety you will feel around it because we all feel some amount of anxiety taking an exam. Yeah. And I know they have probably dropped the link to both that online proctor uh, exam guide and the um, the exam information page where it exists. So yeah. I'm sure. So and so I think that is definitely, you know, along with that handbook, that is that guide is also one of the references you want to make sure you study before you uh, take your exam. Absolutely. And there is a link in that guide and there's there is a link in our website that links you directly to a video that PSI has put together. And what you see there is you actually see an individual going through the whole procedure. You see the person scanning the room, you see them signing on, you see them, you know, clearing out their space, you see what they're desk looks like and that will give you again a very good indication of how to be prepared for for testing yeah. i'm seeing a few comments of people just talking about they purchased a hard copy of the babak and someone's got steve's got three different versions of it i have to admit i have my hard copy and i love my hard copy <laughs> but for those people that don't like hard copies and don't like hundreds of pages in a pdf um, we do have something that not a lot of members are familiar with yet, and that's a knowledge hub. So it might be an odd term, a, a new term for you, but essentially all this stuff is broken down into digestible chunks. In some cases, there are examples um, to bring the material to life. There's also some templates in there. So um, if you are a paper-based person, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but for those of you who aren't, um, or if you're looking for something specific, check out in Knowledge Hub, do a search, uh, because there's more rich information there than uh, what's in the current publications. And I, I can't emphasize enough, there are templates there. <laughs> and they're adding more all the time. Um, we've got another question um, about, hey, will this session be recorded? Can I get back to it? And thanks to LinkedIn, you can. So just go back to our IIBA LinkedIn page and you'll be able to see this whole, uh, uh, it's not a recording, but uh, you know, you'll be able to see this really anytime that you want. Um, let's see. I, I think, I think that's, I think that's it. I think we have covered it. Isabel, any last tips? You have covered just about everything, but is there a, 
when one last thing you want to leave yeah, just just be prepared uh know what to expect know your technology get your exam uh, your id prepared and prepare your environment and read those rules yeah great great advice for a smooth uh exam um experience so um you know hey guys we're we've got that promotion that we're running through the end of the year we've confirmed it's uh 20 off the exam you just have to pay for the exam by the end of the year it's you're probably thinking about you know 2022 career goals and um and something like a certification can really uh can really help to get across that line so with that i think we're gonna wrap up i Isabel, yeah, thank you so much. And thanks, Isabel, thank for joining you. us and giving people really the inside look at this and answering all those questions. I think this has been helpful. Good. Thank you. Enjoyed it. This is the end of our live session, but if you've got questions, you can send us an email at live at iiba.org or leave us a voice message and we'll answer your question at one of our upcoming broadcasts. Join us.